It's Cash Color Cannabis, a higher level of conversation on LiveHipHopDaily.tv. And this episode is sponsored by Atlantibus Clothing. Everything from our Atlantibus Signature Collection to our Drug Lord Collection and Return to Viper Collections are all available for purchase. And if you're watching tonight and make a purchase, you can save 10% off your purchase when you use promo code Cash Color Cannabis at checkout. So shop AtlantibusClothing.com. All right, man. You know, last week was kind of hectic. Well, this weekend was kind of hectic in Atlanta, in the Georgia area overall, because six licenses were named. Like, people have been waiting for this for almost two years now. Like, to know who's going to be able to be the cultivator, who's going to be able to be able to sell, who's going to be able to handle this, this the, the, the MMJ here in the state. All right, well, we got those names. We, got those, we know who is, who's, who is going to be. So I thought it would be perfect time to have a conversation with somebody who would have a good feel on all the situation here, man. My man Stanley Atkins II. Um, he's been on the show before. Y'all know the Canamedic, man. He, matter of fact, he was here his first season. He was here right after that. You've been here since the beginning, though, my Yeah, boy. man. So I appreciate you for coming back tonight, man. Um, for those who don't know, um, please, expl- ex- ex- please introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Uh, my name is Stanley Atkins II. Uh, many of you know me as the Canamedic cannabis healthcare educator advocate um, here in Georgia. I am currently the Georgia chapter director of Minorities for Medical Marijuana. Um, but aside from all of that, uh, I'm a medical cannabis patient. Yeah. Uh, I'm a military veteran, also served seven and a half years as a firefighter paramedic. And I got into cannabis as a result of my health care and, you know, looking for alternative wellness. And that let me down the whole, you know, the advocacy thing and really put me on the grassroots of the movement before it was really a wave. You know, now it's a wave that they're riding and it's good, but we had to create those ripples. So yeah. it's been an honor, man. I'm been honored to know you from the beginning, you know, yeah, from your man. first event. Bro, this crazy, yeah, from the first event, man, I, I keep reminding people that this, before this was a podcast, this was an event. We used yeah. to do it down at yeah. Open Agency, we invite people out, and that was back when, for real, have, even having a conversation about cannabis, people thought I was trying to get everybody arrested. I'm like, all we're doing is talking about it, man, like, we ain't, ain't nobody selling it in the building, but we've come a long way, man, and definitely we come to the point now where Georgia is making baby steps, towards um, really making this official down here in the state as far as for patients being able to access MMJ, uh, for businesses to be able to flourish and to be able to start up. Uh, so let's get into the let's get into the topic of the night, which is these licenses. Um, this Saturday, um, I forget how long this, this this commission's name is, but the commission <laughs> was finally announced who the six who the six brands or who are going to have licenses this this uh, this year. Well, licenses in Georgia to be able to distribute and cultivate. Um, what was your reaction when you heard the news of who was going to be that they were finally ready to announce? I think my initial reaction, just the fact that they're ready to make the announcement um, for a lot of people, they were mostly ready to hear the names. We were just ready to know that we even have names, you know, at this point. Um, The meetings have been slightly cryptic, you know, the way the way they came across on Zoom. Uh, So a lot of time they had sound issues or, you know, it was a lot of um, misdialogue amongst a lot of people um, prior to the Saturday's meeting. But when they made the announcement, um, I mean, I feel that the meeting went pretty much the way a lot of us felt they were going to go. Yeah. Um, Those who have had their finger on the pulse of it for quite some time, there wasn't many shocks. I mean, there were some surprises potentially, um, but I wasn't shocked. Um, I know that they updated the website and I looked through the list of the applicants, you know, and you, you can review the scores. Um, that provided a little bit more transparency for me. Yeah. 
um, to go through that and then look at the scores. So what people need to we'll get into that in a minute. But like yeah. the scoring system. I was gonna I, say. So what were they? What were they scoring on? Because I know we had a conversation about how much money you needed to have. Like all there were certain things you need to have in place. But wh- how did they score as far as base? What was the scoring system like to pick the licenses? Well, I can't give you an exact breakdown of how they individually scored each yeah. can each candidate. But what I do know is for the RFP, so for those who may not know, when you're applying for these type of licenses in states and programs like this, there is an RFP that goes with that, which is a requirement for procurement. So you're looking to be working with the state of Georgia, Department of Health, you know, to establish this uh, medicine. So they had parameters and benchmarks that you had to meet and marquee indicators, um, like some of the ones that we knew of where, you know, minority-owned business or partially minority-owned or display a working relationship uh, with some of your contractual services, you know, some of the things. But I was talking to someone who didn't win a license, who, who gave me a call the other day, and he was like, you know, the application was the hardest part, you know, that they stated uh, in the meeting the application was, what, 500 pages? Mm. Uh, so there's a lot in a lot of information. So they gave you, you a book for an application. I mean, it sounds that way. <laughs> That's crazy. So you know, and, and, and that alone would, would distract some, would 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 um, detract some people from trying to get it established. I mean, that, that's a lot to go through as far as even just basic paperwork. Well, I know that in some other states that I've worked in, I know some colleagues um, in some different places who've applied for licensures, um, even an adult use program. What some people would consider a recreational program, we prefer to use the term adult use. Um, and they found out that okay, the application fee was maybe ten grand or you know, fifteen grand, some lower. Um, but then they realized I need to pay a lawyer fifty thousand dollars to help me on the application, or a company, a consultant that does these type of applications because some some of them are nine hundred pages in some places. So you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people during this application process that put hundreds of thousands of dollars into legal fees, attorneys, you know, and teams to review this application because, you know, once it got turned in, that's it. It's turned in. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So you spent a lot of money on a hope, you know what I mean? So, though, so do you feel like the process has been transparent since the beginning with the public that, that we've been allowed to be able to know who's being, who's being submitted, um, you know, what the requirements are? Do you feel like they've been transparent? I think that a lot of the lack of transparency came from when COVID hit because we had just had the meeting in Columbus. Then they had the meeting in Austell and then there was shutdown. And I mean, everybody's thinking what conversations are still being had. So there was a lot of gaps in during 2020 um, for obvious reasons. And then once the Zoom meetings uh, started back up at last fall, um, I felt like a lot of the meetings, it was more so like we're having a meeting to say we're having a meeting. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt about the meeting they had before this last meeting. Yes. I pull, I it in, was a I was meeting like, to say we're having a meeting. Yeah, this is a meeting yeah. to say we're having a meeting and we're going home. <laughs> there was a lot of that. There's a lot of that happening. Um, but So in that process, though, I know that that was definitely a hindrance. I mean, during COVID, a lot of people, we couldn't meet with each other. There was a lot of confusion about even having, having um, communication. So I can see why there was a blip there. But restarting up in 2021, do you still feel like there was a transparency issue? I felt that I had to look at other programs and like other avenues of governmental entities. Yeah. It's about as transparent as government gets. <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's cloudy water, but it's still, you know, it's, it's opaque. I didn't feel that we were getting a lot of information because there were so many times where I had to call other advocates and like, hey, is it just me or has 
anyone not heard anything from the commission? Have there been any updates? That's what I felt. I felt like we have, we weren't even hearing anything for the longest. I, I, I was wondering if the emails. I was like, well, maybe it's my my emails aren't coming. But then other people like, hey, they just they aren't making moves. But that doesn't mean that the people who are working behind the scenes, you know, getting their application together, you know, there weren't moves being made. There just wasn't any public meeting. So that's you know, nothing that we can do about that. Yeah. Well, I think the um. They, they tried their hardest. Like I said, the Zoom meetings were happening. I, I, I took part in t- one of two of them. I'm, I'm going to be completely transparent myself. I was took part in two of them. I wasn't impressed with either one of them, including the one where they did the announcements. I felt that not only did I feel like it was rushed, I felt like they didn't even want to be there. Like, it was almost like they were tired of this process. You know what I mean? But, but um, teacher zone, like, we're here now. Yeah. <laughs> we're here now. So um, the, the companies that were announced, um, Botanical Sciences, True Leaf Georgia, FFD Georgia, Nature's Georgia, TheraTrue Georgia, and Trivana Remedy. Um, those are the six companies. Um, have, have you had a chance to do any research on any of these any of these brands and see what they're about or what, what they some of them? Uh, yeah. Some of the large, like True, True Leave. You know, we've heard of those comp- larger companies. I've heard of Trivana. Um, the one that caught me off guard that I just didn't expect, like a holdings company. Maybe I was just looking at the name. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, have a lot of information about them, and I think that as this as these licenses actually get issued, we're going to learn a lot more about them because now they're going to be a lot more open about you know what's going on because they're going to need patience. You know, all of these entities are going to need patience yeah. to come to them for their products. Yeah. So I think that if they really, all the companies want to have an impact, you know, they want to make an impact in the program and in the health of the communities, then we're going to have to get to know who they are, you know, what they're doing, and they're going to have to show now. And that's their part. You know what I mean? You really now have to get part of the community, as you yes. mentioned. It can't just be, we already have a fear of this corporate cannabis um, um, monster, in, in, yeah, big monster machine. Coming. Yeah. What you don't want to do is be one of the six people who get a license here, and then you automatically disappear. Like, we don't see you at these meetings. We don't see you at podcasts. We don't see you nowhere. But you're trying to tell us why we should be shopping with you or why we should be supporting you. I feel, I, I pray we don't run into that. That problem and that's where i think the people who really fought for this and those who came before me those who you know really been working hard that's where the accountability is going to come in yeah you know i think that's where the entire cannabis community um has to come together and we have to hold them accountable you know you can say one thing but we also need you to do what you say yeah so if they have you know people like us to say hey to question them, you know, be transparent, you know, talk to some of these advocacy groups, talk to some of the lead, the leaders and also be uh, come to some of the meetings, come to yeah. some of the rallies, you know, let us know that you truly care about the community. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, you know, looking at the list, I don't know if it jumped out to you or me. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, I don't know if it jumped out to you or me. Can you go downstairs and open the door? Could you go downstairs and open the door? Yo, I don't know if it jumped out to you or me, but I didn't feel like there was a lot of color represented personally you know what i mean and again we all have to do our own research and make sure that we do um see some people who reflect us in this in, who reflect what the state overall looks like and what it, the state is overall becoming but do you feel like there were enough um companies who um reflect what georgia landscape is and when i say that meaning black and brown well i don't know all the applicants yeah. you know i don't know who's on their teams um but for some of the ones that i did know i did see um, a genuine interest in reaching out to minority-based companies. Okay. Um, from what I was thinking, because I had someone that asked me, they were like, Stanley, you know, if these, we have to just meet these requirements, why don't we just pull together some money and just you know, go after a license ourselves? Yeah. And I was telling them, like, listen, do you have the, the supportive infrastructure? 
this if you've been really watching the process reading the rules the regulations this is a multi-tiered thing. It's vertical integration. It's a whole different story. Like you was telling me, like there's a lot you have to have in place. Yeah. Like, you, like you say, the infrastructure. You got to have so money, much. number one. You got to be prepared to go to business the minute they say go. Tomorrow, like Monday, the lights go on, yeah. permits are out. So like I, I was telling someone, I said, okay, well, you say you can build a, a facility. I said, but what's your 12-hour disaster recovery plan? And he was like, what you mean? I'm like, don't be hitting people with technical shit. Man. You know, what is your 12? <laughs> because that's that's in the RFP to, to get this license. Yeah. You have to have a, dis- a disaster emergency recovery plan where if a sharknado came through and it's a tornado full of great white sharks and destroyed your entire facility. You have to be back up running and operational with your security parameters and cameras back rolling in 12 hours. And that's something people, well, I ain't made it that far to security. So there's a yeah. lot of layers into it. So I, I did take a look and just from the outside perspective. Yeah, it's so crazy people don't think about that. Because I know often we hear the conversation about how much money it is. We'll see you need X amount of dollars. But I'm like, like you said, how much further down the road do you need to really, really look? Because you need to have a facility ready. You Like you said, you need to have a 12-year contingency plan just in case something does happen. They're asking you to basically have a business ready that's not even. Turnkey. Yeah, they they telling you right now have a full-ass business yeah. before. Before we even before we even um, think about letting you <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned that because for some people that was their their barrier of entry. They're like, once I can prove I got a license, I've got a team of investors ready to really pour some you know, resources yeah. into me. But what you're saying is I need to have my industrial facility. Mm-hmm. I've got to have my extractors, my labs, my my genetics, my my seed tracking software, my employees. You know, my security guys, my transport, my bottling, everything already on. That means these people are already on retainer. That's a big investment. It's past the $10,000 application. Oh, man, you're already you're already into, you know, seven figures with yeah. that. Because, I, you know, I was talking to someone and they were like, listen, we're two, 2.5 in, you know, and we haven't even scratched the surface. Yeah. And they didn't win. Yeah. So, you know, we were speaking earlier. Do you do you feel like six licenses was enough? Like, I, um. Do you feel like they, for the first round, they should have expanded it out a little bit more past just six people, just six companies? The patient and advocate in me want to say absolutely. Yeah. But the business side of me and the logistical side say, well, we don't have the patient demographic to mm. support that type of licensure. Mm. Yes, people, we need more licenses. We need more dispensaries. But we have to have the amount of registered patients in the medical cannabis program to justify them issuing more licenses. It's kind of like having five T-shirt stores in the same shopping plaza that sell only white T-shirts. Don't print anything on them, just white T-shirts. It's like, why would would we put another one there? So we've got to have the patients. If they say, hey, we're going to issue 10 licenses, well, they've got to somehow sell, sell, sell oil to make money. Yeah. Well, you've got that. We only got registered, I think, roughly around 17,000 patients. Florida has over 240,000. See, and that's another issue. So how, how do we get more people to get interested in getting registered? I know for years it felt like, all right, cool, I can go get a car, but what, what can I do with it? So I know that turned off a lot of people right there. What can we do right now to make sure that people know that they need to get registered in order for us to get more traction? Like you say, it's almost like a census situation. If we're not, get, if we're not raising our hand and saying we're in the building, they're going to bypass us totally when it comes to funding. First is education, yeah. because a lot of times those patients, they say, well, I've got my card twice, and it's expired twice. I'm not renewing it again. Well, now it's like, well, okay, before it was to provide you 
protection. If you're transporting your oil with that patient and you get caught, yep. because you know we're not asking where they were acquiring it from, they just had it, and the card was to actually provide you that little bit of shield of protection, you know, for the the amount of oil that they may have that contains THC. Well, now you for the elderly patients who didn't want to take that, who said, "Well, I'm not. I know some patients right now who are dying of cancer." And they said they will wait until they can legally go into a dispensary in Georgia. They've got their card before they buy anything from anywhere else. It's, you can give it to them. They won't take it because they like, I'm not going to break the law. I'm waiting on to do it the right way. <laughs> so I didn't laugh at, at them. I'm just I mean, that's a, but you have that's some people that are honest. They're honest age. You know, they, they, and I appreciate that in a lot of patients. Yeah. But we need patients need medicine now. Yeah, so, big facts, big facts, so, man. Uh, just to go back to the question, I think education is first and foremost. Uh, that is the most imperative because we have patients, somebody might even be in this room that don't know that they qualify for a low THC oil card in the state of Georgia. If you survive the COVID-19 pandemic, you potentially suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. I feel like we're going to hear commercials about that shortly. Like, like I mean, I'm being serious. You know, and I'm a military combat veteran, and I can tell you, you don't have to be... A, PTSD isn't a military disease. It's a human disease. And there are people that went through things that have been traumatized over the course of the last year. If it wasn't the COVID pandemic, it could be some of the social injustices that happened last year. Yeah. You know, some of the protests and some of the things that people saw or I saw like television. sitting in the house tra- traumatized a lot of people. And th- you know? it did. Yeah. Because sometimes even coming out to an event once on a Tuesday, that might be the one release for them. And once they were forced to be inside, potentially alone, internalizing things, we're seeing some of the highest rates of suicide and addiction coming out of the pandemic. And so if we can off people are are addicted to things, a lot of times people are consuming these substances because they're hurting. We're in the midst of an opioid epidemic. Intractable pain is a qualifying condition under the Georgia low THC oil program. So it's really about education and promoting the right education to say these are the conditions that it could potentially help you. We're not going to say it's going to end all, be all, cure all, but it could potentially be a useful source in your toolbox of healthcare. Yeah. Speaking of low THC oil, that's been a, that's been a, um, a conversation of, of, for a while. Like why we have low THC oil? When will we get to the point where they'll have actual flour and they'll be able to capture that? Um, first off, why are we even here with low THC oil? And how, how do you anticipate we'll be able to get flour anytime shortly? Well, how do we get here? We wanted something for patients that was uh, deemed illegal that is federally Schedule One which means has no medicinal value or therapeutic value. So patients, and you know, this is even before I started going down to the Capitol, family members and caregivers of children with special needs, adults with debilitating conditions, going down to the Capitol saying, hey, these other states are showing that these medicines are potentially helping some of these people, the cancer patients and things of that nature. Why don't we have this in Georgia? So they had to you know, drop a, a law, you know, drop a bill, you know, pass it through committees and try to keep, keep working on it. Well, the reason we're here is because our legislation was not ready for that. We are still in the, in the Bible Belt. It's still the good old South. You know, things move a little different down here. We ain't slow, but we're just a little different. Well, that is very progressive. 
That is westernized culture in America. You know, that's West Coast stuff. California, Oregon, you know, Colorado. I know what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's a different culture down here. You know, we got cornbread and beans and stuff down here. It's a little different. Shit, there was literally an argument over whether or not we should allow, um, what were they, same-sex bathrooms? And they was about to let Hollywood lead this whole entire state over this. Like, that, that was a mm-hmm. fight, if you, don't rem- if you don't remember. Well, yeah. so introducing that, it's hard to say, well, people are going to be growing it in their houses. That's why we don't have home grow. So what we did was a lot of people decided to take some of the path of least resistance. It's hard to quantify to legislators who want no part of this why someone deserves to smoke a joint. But when you have patients and children in wheelchairs and things of that nature, that's when you can say, well, the oil, it's less invasive. It's a lot more gentle approach versus seeing someone rolling up and smoking because back, we go back to the war on drugs. You know, people forget that they've been indoctrinated to think that this is bad. Yeah. You know, there was a time where this was legal. It was in the United States Pharmacopeia, which is the list of all the medications and therapies. So once we got oil, it was like, okay, so what spectrum? You know, if you're going to have 100% THC oil, you may as well have extracts and dabs. So when it comes to medical programs, a lot of states have like where you can have flour. You can have tinctures, extracts, edibles. We took the low THC oil spectrum, which means it's on the low end a lot. But when it comes to low THC oil laws, we actually have the highest. You have states that have a 1% THC limit. So we're pretty much the best of the mids or the best of the regions. You know what I'm saying? That's, why I, that's the best way I can correlate it to people. That's great. So, so low THC was basically easy to sell. Yes. It was, it was easier. Way, it wasn't easy. Yeah. It was easier. Easier to sell mm-hmm. than them saying, you know, I can just get this bug because immediately now you're back to being a criminal. Yes. I got you. And if you remember, they wanted to lower it to 2.5%. You know, I would say... Don't put a cap on it, me personally. But those yeah. are my personal If you're going to be oil, I mean, shit. Yes, yeah. because you can always still, everyone's not going to need, you know, 70%, 90%. Some people mm-hmm. may say, hey, I need like a 10, 15%, a few drops. That's what gets, that helps me. Yeah. So it's really about finding what works for these patients. But right now, we'll take what we can get. That's crazy, man. So what you see, what you feel like the landscape's going to look like in the next year or two as far as like, you know, like how right now, if I go to over by Emory, if I go to Decatur, I'll see Georgia Hemp Company. Like, do you feel like if we're go in Sandy Springs randomly or if I'm in Buckhead or I'm on the west side, I'm going to see a True Leaf store? Like, what, what do you feel like the landscape's going to look like? Well, the big shout out to Joe, the Georgia Hemp Company. Yes. That is one of my favorite companies, not even not just in Georgia, but actually in the nation. Yeah. Uh, they actually got a pre-roll and giveaway tonight. Um, they really looked out for me a lot through some healthcare things, and I really appreciate all the support, Georgia Joe Hemp Company. Joe is a company. solid one. He's supposed to teach me how to play golf. Like, Joe yes, is I, really, I genuinely appreciate that. And Georgia Hemp Company is one of those companies that they put their products where their mouth is mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they've sent me products and I was in the hospital they sent me things to my house just to help me get through yeah. and I appreciate that you know what not, not to take off us off subject but that's why Joe's successful Joe is actually a, his face is actually real um, familiar in the community people know him from a lot of places you'll see Joe in a lot of places he made a point to do that he's but, real yeah he's real he's, he's a real, real guy you can, you, can, you can really meet the guy that's definitely something these other companies need to take a page from but um, anyway but what I think about yeah. how the landscape is going to look yeah. I don't think it's going to change much um, because in the laws that were passed, there's no marketing. Oh, so they still can't do anything like 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 billboard it out or nothing like that. Man, y'all need to holler at Cash Color Cannabis, man. <laughs> Come to the podcast. You know, Come um, to the podcast. Cause, it yeah. can dot and like physi- they change up some things so to make it a little bit more transparent. So doctors who are like writing recommendations cannot be you know invest start try to get a license. 
you know, because it's kind of like, wait a minute. Um, that makes referring, sense. Yeah. So there, there are some things that have come about. Um, so I don't think a lot is going to change. Because um, the, really the way it's, our program is set up, it's set up to be a discrete program. It's um, if you know, you know. I'm still like that, which is why it's on us to continue to educate and promote the program. Instead of almost uh, like the black market still. Like, like, <laughs> I wouldn't call it a black market a, because black is beautiful. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's almost like the legacy market. It's, it's almost like a you-know-you-know know thing. Like, I think this guy might hear... You it's know, just because like, of the, legal, um, the law surrounding marketing, mm-hmm. advertising, and if anybody who's... You know, you've been down to the Capitol. Mm-hmm. The reason it's so tight and our program seems a little dry and not as robust is because our legislators want no part of our program to mimic, resemble, or even think about becoming an adult use market and what most people would call a recreational market. Uh, Georgia, our legislators, some do support it, but for the most part, it's not gaining a lot of favor. And they you know in a lot of those subcommittees, that's they kept harking on that. Like we, this will in fact, in no way. You know, be leading us towards legalization because at the Capitol, when we're trying to get six licenses, some of these special interest groups pay people to come from out of state into Georgia to say how it's going to crowd the neighborhoods where the dispensaries are. People going to be lined up down the streets like they were at the pill mills. You're going to see an increase in accidents because I know people that died. And the funny part is the pill mills, they didn't stop. Like it wasn't like they stopped that. You saw this happening, and nobody stopped that. And this is uh, this is untrue. You've traveled, yeah, bro. When have you ever seen a? I'm not going to name any particular dispensaries, but some of those name brand in the middle of a neighborhood. The closest I've seen that what I would say is even close to a neighborhood, Pure Oasis in Boston. Like that's in Grove Hall. Like I know that because I went to school around the corner, mm-hmm. and that was also the closest where I've ever seen a line. Like like there was actually people outside, but I think I think it was COVID practices maybe or something yeah. like that. It wasn't potentially. I don't think I don't that know. was a regular thing. But uh, you, it does, that doesn't happen like that. So yeah. there's a lot of negative rhetoric. And I'm, I tell people all the time, the way you represent a person that consumes is how they see us. So I represent you. You represent me. If you out there doing stupid stuff and looking like a fool, you make us all like a fool. Because when we're at the state capitol, guess what they're going to bring up in these subcommittees? Well, what about the teenager that was selling them at the, at the high school over there and that was delivering them on, on the undercover camera? What about the, the open air drug markets that they had over there oh, that were every Friday bro. with lines around bro. the corner bro. Bro. because they <laughs> use this against us. And I know y'all be like, man, can yeah. medic, you're just tripping, man. No, bro. I'm telling you, I, I, I play both sides of the street. Yeah. I come over here and I talk to the people, find out what's really going on. And that's how I go to the people at the Capitol. And it's like, listen, and when they come at me with some of these things, I what can I say? But I, I agree with you in a sense because this is the way I govern the podcast. You know what I mean? Like, we don't consume on the podcast. You know what I'm saying? You never mm-hmm. see me smoke. Well, you see me do it three times, but you don't see me smoking blunts on the, on the show. You don't see me do certain things simply because I want to keep that line. Like, I want to be able to have Kwanzaa Halls on the show and, and, yes. and, and Vincent Force yes. and know that I'm not, you know what I'm saying, going to get on their bad side, but also know we're going to have this conversation. So I feel you on the walk in the line side, but also I say on. on they going to view us how they're going to view us. You know, this is also, when I mentioned, we're going to talk about laws in a minute and voting in a second. We are the state of Marjorie Green. Like, like, never forget that. Like, she's, this is Georgia. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, these people are going to, some of these folks going to view shit how they're going to view shit anyway. There's no way I'm changing their opinion. The most we could do is change them. 
So um, going into November, we got new. We got we got to vote in the new mayor number one. But let's talk about getting people energized to get voting for these local politics and these local elections because these are the people that are in charge of making these these rules and these laws and set up these committees overall. And we constantly bypass the fact that. You know, they, these people live here. Like I say, Marjorie Green, I use her as an example, but yo, if she tweets crazy shit, she's doing it from here. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. this, this is her spot. So, speak to us about how we got to get people energized in order to do that. Like, we got to get people reminded that in order to get some of the things we want to see happening, we're going to have to get active on that side. That's the other thing that I touch into, especially in some of the hoods, you know, the yeah. rougher areas where I know it's a, a lot of disenfranchised, you know, people. If you want cannabis legal in the state of Georgia, vote. Register to vote. Register your friends to vote. Yeah. Have your ID ready. Know some of the changes they made in the recent uh, laws that they passed regarding you coming to vote. That way you get down there. There's no excuses. And the reason I say that is, no, we're not a referendum state. So in Georgia, they don't put it, you know, on our local election. Hey, you want cannabis? Yes or no. But we can always propose that to the, to the House and they can put it on an election ballot. This is an election year, guys. This is very important. So your local elections, if you want cannabis decriminalized, like we've done in several different jurisdictions, you got to talk to your city legislators, your local legislators. Ask them, hey, would you be in support of a decriminalization efforts? And if they say no, you're like, oh, it's an election year. Well, we have my guy blank blank over here who's willing to run against you. If not, I'll run against you. Because a lot of these legislators who are voting no on this stuff and saying y'all don't need it, we don't want it. A lot of them have run unopposed for four, five, six terms. Well, that's my biggest complaint when it comes to um, the when it comes to local politics. Mm -hmm. Some of these folks been in office as long as y'all oh as long as y'all been on, on earth, man. Like like that's so crazy to me. Like yeah, pay attention to how how these people move. Voting is the key. So. People like, man, I don't deal with politics, man. That ain't my thing, man. Well, listen, is life your thing? <laughs> yes. Do you hate potholes? Yeah. Yes. Do you hate some of the things that go on in your community? Yes. You tired of your car getting broken into? Yes, I am tired of my car getting broken into. Are you tired of cars getting broken into when people visit your business or establishment? Yeah. Yeah. Find out who your local city commissioner is, who your district council person is, and contact them and ask them, why have you never seen them in your neighborhood? Yeah. Maybe some of them have, but if they haven't and they don't, they're not willing to come out into the community that they serve, vote them out. So listen, guys, the people that you vote in, they work for you. It is not the other way around. I never really understood how we think that we work for politicians. No, politicians work for you. Find out who your local elected officials are. Find out who your state representative are, your house rep. Call them. Email them. A lot of times they have somebody who will respond and vote. Know, before, know who they are before you get down to the court, to the voting booth. Yeah. That's another problem. People get down and be like, well, I don't even know what the third magistrate circuit court, court judge is. But I've seen that name on some signs before. And they're like, oh, no, no. I'm guilty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm guilty. And I tell people, if I don't know, I don't vote on it. <laughs> there are some things that I pass. But also, know you can write in people on votes. Where it says at the bottom, you can yeah, write that. in. I've done it so many times. I have vote, voted for Joe Exotic on multiple occasions. Yes, Tiger King, free Joe Exotic. Stanley, you the problem. Hey, man, <laughs> listen, it happens. I voted for The Rock. Yeah. I voted for Chuck Norris. I voted for Nick Saban. Write them in. That lets them know. That gets recorded. We don't know who you are. We saw that no one ran against you, but we wrote in somebody to let you know that we didn't forget. Yeah.
crazy, man. Hey, well, bro, I really appreciate your time coming through. I do have another person I got to speak to, but you've been ble- you been a blessing, man. You definitely showered us with some good information tonight. I know you're doing a giveaway yourself I'll, tonight. Yes, yeah, so I brought up some Kush verse. So if anybody in this room can tell me at least three qualifying conditions in the state of Georgia medical cannabis program, you can come up here and pick any one of these pack of Kush Burst 500 milligram gummies. These are the best Delta 8 gummies in the industry, and you can pick your choice. Yo, the crazy part is he gave you two. (laughs) The crazy part is he gave you two. So... We'll, we'll get to that at the end, yeah. uh, guys. Appreciate it, Mecca. No doubt. Again, Let people know how they can follow you on, on social follow media. Follow me on social media, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone else, um, at the Canamedic. That's T H E C A N N I M E D I C. Things are opening back up. We're about to go back to having meetings, events. It's going down. We're going to do a 420 fitness event. I see you've been working out. Facts, I man. definitely got to get you out, bro. I'm ready and, to go, man, man, it's anything you ever need, bro, let me know. And I appreciate it. Keep the culture real, bro. My boy. I appreciate you, man, tonight. Thank you for coming through. And that's Cash Color Campus, high level of conversation. I got open the door, somebody.